Hello and welcome to Crime Time FM. I'm Paul Burke and I write about crime fiction. Today my guest is Daniel Cole, author of Mimic, a serial killer thriller much in the vein of Ragdoll, his debut novel. He's already sold over a million copies and Ragdoll has been adapted for TV. We'll see that later in the year and we'll certainly be talking about that. Hello and welcome to Crime Time FM, Daniel. Nice to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Paul. No problem. Are you well? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay, actually. Um, last time we spoke, I was in the process of moving house, so I'm, I'm still sort That's of right, recovering, yes. recovering from that. But uh, yeah, otherwise, have, well. Have you managed to establish a routine again yet? Oh, God, no, no. Plus it's summer <laughs> holidays on top. So uh, no, everything's a bit chaotic at the moment. But uh, yeah, we're just, um, we're glad to be in there. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, well, we're going to discuss Mimic, of course, because that, that's why we're here today, your new novel, and it's just out in hardback. But I thought we'd start with a little bit of background. So tell us about where your love of storytelling came from, because I, I often ask this question of writers, and more often than not, it's books. But I think in your case, it's books and film and TV, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I can tell you the precise moment, and it was um, right. It was watching a episode of the TV show 24. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you remember that one. And um, I mean, I, I love that show. I've watched every every single episode. But we got to about series four or five, and um, Jack Jack Bauer had been sort of kidnapped by terrorists. They were interrogating him, and his heart stopped. And that was mm-hmm. the end of the episode. And I don't know, so, something sort of clicked in me where um, I thought, you know, like no one's falling for this. Like everyone knows that Jack yeah. Bauer's going to yeah. be all right. And sure enough, like the next episode begins, um, they revive him. He jumps up, kills 10 people and then walks off again. And <laughs> something about it really bugged me, even though I love that show. Um, I think um, that's when I first had a go at writing my own screenplay mm. uh, with, uh, after seeing that. Um, just because I thought, do you, not, not necessarily I can do this better, but I can do this differently. And yeah, I wouldn't right. have done it like that. Um, so yeah, I started writing screenplays after that, um, sending them off to the BBC writers room, mm-hmm. um, hoping someone was going to pick it up or, or, or think I had some potential. Um, and, uh, yeah, Ragdoll was actually one of those screenplays. It was an original one hour TV show that I wrote. Uh, I sent it in, it kind of got all through the stages, it got higher and higher up the list. I was waiting, waiting for months to hear back. And then I got the rejection. Um, yeah. And I was so disappointed with that one. Um, it, I, I remember where I was then as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I got I got the rejection for it saying, you know, you've got huge potential, but no. And that's just the end of it. It's not like... Um, come back no process, no? Yeah, nothing like that. It's just no, back to square one. And I, I was pretty devastated with that one. And I, I, I was so close to calling it quits and giving up because um, right. I've been trying for years at that point. Um, had you yeah, had any so success it, before that? I mean, at least it's encouraging in the sense that they said, you know, you've got talent, you, you know, you've got something here. Yeah, it was almost more frustrating that because if yeah. they just said, no, you're rubbish, leave it, then that could have got on with <laughs> my life. But they sort of like endlessly dangling the carrots saying so it's teasing you, you. the next one is going to be the one 
and um, you know, spent months working on a new screenplay, send it mm. in, wait for months, and you're just waiting and waiting. And you know the longer you're waiting, the better it's doing, which is also very frustrating. Yeah, I'm not sure. Which, I mean, it all worked out in the end, so I suppose it's good that they did keep dangling the carrot. But um, I decided that the only way I was going to be able to finish this story that I really believed in mm-hmm. um, was to turn it into a book. So that, that's when I just had my first crack at writing a book. Um, I think I mentioned to you last time, I had Harry Potter 6 on one side, I had my screenplay of Ragdoll on the other, right. and tried to mash the two uh, into <laughs> something something sort of readable, and Ragdoll came out. Yeah. I mean, the thing was with Ragdoll, I mean, it, then as a novel, was it an instant hit? I mean, when you sent it out to publishers? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very lucky after, you know, li- literally years of... Um, disappointments with the screenplays um my agent uh sort of got back to me straight away um and um yeah we worked on it together for a little while sort of editing and you know it was my first book after all yeah Um, so we we did do some editing and then um yeah it it was just crazy when ragdoll took off um you know I, i didn't have a clue what was going on i didn't really know anything about you know this industry or being a writer or anything and yeah, it, it just took off in such a crazy way. Um, you know, we've sold the TV rights before I even had a book deal. Ah, um, oh, right. I didn't realise that. Yeah, that, that, that actually came first, which, uh, I mean, there's more news on that that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, no, we definitely will talk about that. Yeah. I think people will be really interested in that. Yeah. And then I got, um, yeah, so that. So that kind of caused even more hype about it. And then um, I got my UK publisher and then the, the London book fair. Um, mm. it, it was, it was crazy. I still, it, it's, it feels a bit of a blur to me now, but it was the most bizarre day of my whole life. <laughs> I, I got the, they told me to get the train up to London. Yeah. I didn't really know what was going on or why. Um, by the time I got off the train, I had like 20 missed calls or something from my <laughs> foreign agents. So I quickly phoned them back, uh, thinking they were maybe cancelling, saying don't bother coming up or something. Right. And they just like, we've got Germany on the line. They want to buy, you know, they just gave me this long list of countries and they want they want to buy the book. Um, and I think I think we had like five book deals in place before I'd even crossed like Waterloo Bridge. It was it, it, it was crazy. And, Incredible, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was bizarre. I mean, I, I I just didn't have a clue what was going on, really. I was in a bit of a daze. I was going to ask you specifically about that because, I mean, your book sells all across the world, basically, doesn't it, uh, in all sorts of territories and languages. I noticed one thing that, that I mentioned it, actually, the last time we spoke, and I, I just thought it was sort of fascinating because there was a Dutch bookshop, and your book Mimic is, well, we'll explain what it's about later, but it, the statue of the thinker is very relevant to the book. And they'd actually yeah. gone and got a statue and put it in the bookshop display. So, I mean, yeah. you're incredibly popular in Holland for a start, yeah? Yeah, I, um, yeah I've got sort of, there, there's certain countries. I mean, it's so strange to see where the book, uh, where the books take off and where they, where they don't. Mm. I think it'd be fair to say at the moment, like, you know, the US was just, the, the, book, the book just bombed. Like, it just didn't do anything. Right. I mean, obviously hoping maybe the TV show is going to turn that around. Yeah. Um, but then other countries, yeah, Germany and the Netherlands, uh, Czech Republic are amazing for like 
that yeah the books just do really well over there and uh i i love my dutch publishers i really do they they always go all out um mm. about so back when they did ragdoll like i'm looking at it now i've i've got it on my bookshelf where um they they kind of like had uh real stitching like red stitching going over the oh, spine yeah. of the book and every sort of 10 pages there would be red stitching going up the middle so they they always go all out and make a real effort over there so um yeah, it, they didn't tell me they were going to do that, but it's very interesting to see the thinker sat there in real life, uh, looking a bit chilly. Yeah, uh, on a high street in the Netherlands. <laughs> no, that sounds great though. It, it really does. It, it, it's nice to know that you've got that kind of support as well, because you know a lot of authors, the book comes out and it can honestly vanish into the mist. You know, it, it doesn't always happen that way. So, I mean, what's it been like the last three years then? Because well, four years now actually. Um, because it's been success after success in a sense. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's still. I'm still. Does it feel surreal? Out. Yeah, yeah. The whole th- the whole thing's a bit surreal, and I do feel. Um, yeah, it's hard for it to feel like a, a, a job, really, because I do I do enjoy writing. <laughs> yeah, but I feel more unemployed than anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's sort of chasing my hobby still, in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I put I put absolutely everything into every yeah every book I write I really do um each one's like a whole year of my life that I've poured into it and it's sort of every waking thought and always there in the background and um yeah I just sort of concentrate on trying to write the best best books that I possibly can you feel um, a kind of pressure about it you know with the because obviously you have a massive hit to start with do you think you know every time you go and sit down to write sort of like oh my god what if this one doesn't quite match the last one and that sort of thing yeah, I, I I try I try not to think about it too much. To be right. honest, I just, I just sort of um, yeah, I I I kind of know that's there, and it's sort of inevitable with the way that Ragdoll took off that it's going to be hard to, you know, to to, to match that again. Mm. Um, but not you know just because that there's so many other factors on top of whether the book's any good that go into these things. It's got to mm. be the right time there's you know the the publishers getting excited about it and uh, you know how they market it Mm. there's just so many other factors that are completely out of my control um my bit of it is just giving them the best book that i possibly can so that's what i focus on yeah you have a routine don't you You use a beach hut to write yeah um yeah i mean i I, i've moved now so i've got i've got i've got the forest to write in as well that i'm sure of course um yeah, um, so I've just moved to the new forest, but um, yeah, the, the beach hut. I, I, I do a lot of writing there. It's a it's a nice spot to go. I'll probably wait until after the summer holidays because uh, <laughs> it's a bit crazy down there at the moment. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, but yeah, se- September at the beach hut is uh, where I get I'll, I'll get most of my writing done. Yeah, how would you describe your books? I mean, just as thrillers or serial killer thrillers. I mean, there's elements of the police procedural in there, and I know that's that's a sort of a small part of the story. But um, I I suppose what I'm getting at in a way is 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 there really a Daniel Cole signature? You know, are you you looking to readers to get a sense that um, when they pick up one of your books, they're back in a groove, if you like, straight away. That makes sense. I think, yeah, uh, I think. Um, I mean, I I consciously try to do something different with each one of my books like right. I, I I try and go in a way that I wasn't expecting I was going to mm. um 
I think for my sake, as much as for the readers, like I, I don't want to sort of fall into a routine or a formula or anything. Yeah, anyway. right. I want to really try and push and do something different. I mean, like I, I'm looking, so I've got my bookcase just behind the screen. Right. Uh, and like Endgame's there. And where, you know, when I started writing that book, um, you know, I kind of wanted to write a thriller that didn't even have a murder in it. Mm. Uh, I, I wanted to write a thriller that began with the words uh, "Once upon a time" and ended with "Happily ever after." You know, there, there's these things, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I just want to try and challenge myself in that way. Mm. Um, with Hangman, I dropped my main character. I dropped Wolf um, to to focus on like Baxter, right. who was the secondary character, uh, and purposely did this cheesy relocation to New York just to see whether I could pull yes, it off or not. So I'm always trying to do something a little bit different with each one of my books. Um, and it, ke- it, yeah, it definitely keeps me interested. And I think if I'm interested in enjoying it, it comes across on the page. Yeah, I think it does. I think one of the things about it is the more kind of organic it feels, the better it is for the reader. You know, like you said, not too stagey. So if it's kind of organic for you, then it's bound to be organic for the reader in the sense yeah. that it's very fresh, isn't it? No, where, where, when I'm writing, I always begin in the same way um i get a really intriguing beginning and a really Mm. shocking end in my mind and then i don't know anything else in between i just know in the back of my mind where i'm where i'm meant to end up right Um, so yeah there's no sort of uh pre-planned you know stages that or or Mm. mile points that i need to hit so i think that also gives them all a different sort of pacing and um Yeah. yeah Yeah, hopefully they all come out different and interesting. Yeah. No, funny enough, though, you know, you mentioned 24 as a series. And one thing about the series is in America, you sort of like, you know that they're going to be commissioned and only if they've sort of got another series and another series and another series backing them up. And I suppose um, you don't like that, really, do you? From the point of view of being a writer, you you want to keep moving on because that's the sort of thing that could get stale. Yeah, it's hard. I mean... It, it wasn't necessarily all my decision to move on from the ragdoll books. Um, right. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of other factors and mm. publishers all over the world to take into account. Uh, and I'm glad I did because, um, I mean, wh- when I first started writing Mimic, it was going to be the fourth ragdoll book. That was the plan. Right. Uh, in its very early stages. Um, and then we kind of moved away from that. I, and uh, the original plan was to begin pretty much as the book does now uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Chambers and Winter and then pick up with Wolf and Baxter uh, seven quite years later. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, quite early on, sort of, you know, we talked about it and decided it was actually going to be better if we stayed with those characters mm-hmm. and saw the story through with them. And I'm so glad that we did. Uh, you know, Marshall wouldn't exist now or anything if if we hadn't um, gone in that direction. And I think the books come out far more complex and complete because we went in that direction. So for yes. once, I'm glad I didn't get my way um, because I, I, I do think it worked out for the best and we would have felt a bit cheated to only have half a story of these mm. other characters and then, you know, go back to the others. Yeah, that's really interesting. We'll talk about the characters, definitely, um, and the relationship that built up between them. But so it's probably actually a good point to tell people a little bit about Mimic. So give us a sort of a, a praise of Mimic, you know, the, 
an introduction to? Sure. Um, well, so it's uh, 1989 and uh, Detective Sergeant Benjamin Chambers is uh, chasing a serial killer who mm-hmm. is recreating the world's greatest works of art through the bodies of his victims. Um, yeah. But when it almost costs him his life, the case goes cold, uh, the killer lying dormant. Mm-hmm. Fast forward seven years and we pick up with Jordan Marshall, who is a fresh recruit to the Metropolitan Police. Yep. And she has a very personal connection to the case. Mm-hmm. She's obsessed and uncovers new evidence, convincing Chambers and his partner to reopen the investigation but by doing so, um, they um, bring back this killer, um, and he, well, he's he's basically trying to complete his collection at last. Um, I, I kind of wanted it to be. Um, I wanted to take the very best parts of a Dan Brown novel and the best parts of my ragdoll books and kind of mm-hmm. merge it together into something else. Um, I sort of wanted you to be able to to learn something about these amazing statues mm-hmm. and uh, the stories behind them, but not in a way that ever slows down the story. I really wanted to mm. make the the pictures and the the the, the stories of statues intertwined with the plot mm-hmm. rather than a, an, an aside, um, as they sometimes feel in the Dan Brown books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes get frustrated like you know Robert Langdon will be in the middle of a you know getting chased by a baddie uh and then you know he might stop and talk about a painting for 10 pages (laughs) yeah it's great it's great in the Dan Brown books but I I think for me I really wanted it to be more um a bit of a smoother transition and more intertwined with the plot yeah, I know what you mean, because the whole thing about the plot is it is gripping and it does go from page to page. You know, you, you constantly want to turn the page. And so if you slow that down, you would interfere with the mood of the book, really. Um, I remember one, actually, I was uh, reading a book by an historian and it was set in, I think, 19th century um, Russia. And the guy's being shot at. And while he's being shot at, he's admiring a 19th century French chandelier. And it yeah. just, you know, I don't care how much you like architecture or art or anything else. You're not going to be doing that. Yeah. So you mentioned about um, how this starts. Um, is it visual for you? Is it very visual? Because you mentioned the screenplay as well, you know, that you were working on that in the first sense. Um, is that the way the ideas sort of come to you? And did this book start with the idea of the statue, the thinker? Is that, was that your kernel, you know? I think um, it's it's definitely very visual. I mean, what I'm always trying to achieve is that I want to write a movie in a book. That's what I'm always going for. Right. Um, and yeah, I think I'm more and more I'm heading in that direction. So that there's a paragraph in Mimic. Um, it's sort of uh, very close to the end when everything's getting quite climactic. Mm-hmm. And it's literally a camera direction that I've written. Um, and it, you know, it's just this shot that I've got in my mind of what, what the movie would look like if they were doing it. Yeah. And it's just perfect. And it's such an, it's such an amazing image that I've basically just written in this camera direction. And, I, you know, I think it works and you wouldn't sort of, it doesn't detach you no, from no. the story. And yeah, it is in there. You know, it's not from the point of view of, um, any of the characters or anything it's moving away out over the city mm. so yeah it's it's definitely very visual for me um 
I don't think it was the thinker that I began with. I think it was one right. of the Panini pictures that uh, my little sister showed me. Uh, but it, it was just amazing. Like the Benini pictures had just got so much movement in them, even though, you know, they're completely stationary. Obviously they're a statue. Mm-hmm. Um, and this surreal image of this, uh, of this uh, woman turning into a tree, uh, her hands yeah, becoming right. leaves. Uh, something really stuck with me as soon as I saw that I, mm. I, I sort of latched onto it and thought I've got to make this work in a book somehow. Um, but I don't think it's a huge leap for me moving in that direction. I mean, I've always liked to play with religion in my books. I keep mm-hmm. coming back time and time again. I'm not sure why myself, but it always seems to come back. Um, and Hangman actually involved, um, I was playing with the idea of a body swapping demon yeah, carrying right, out yeah. murders, um, called Azazel. So, um, you know, again, that's fallen angels and religion. So it's not that big a step to move on to these stories about giants and endless sleeps in the underworld mm. and things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I should point out to people, I, I mentioned the thinker because obviously it's the first murder <laughs> in the book and that that's why yeah. it occurred to me particularly. Um, I know it's also that there's drawings in the book. And I think that that's a, it's a useful thing for people, you know, if they're not specifically familiar with those artworks, was that your idea or did you, do you enjoy the idea of that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was very important to me. Um, it was actually, um, my, my, my girlfriend's mum who, who's a wonderful artist and she, she did oh, them right. for me. Uh, so they've been in right from, right from day one. I always wanted those in there. Um, I think it's important to remind people of these statues. But again, I wanted to do it in a way where the, the drawings are actually, they're not separate from the story. They're actually yes. integral to the plot. Mm. Um, can't give you too many spoilers on that, but they're, they're really, um, you know, they, they actually play an active part in, in, in the book. Yes. Uh, as, as well as being like a visual reminder for everyone of, of what these statues look like. No, you're right. Well, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Just as a small <laughs> issue, uh, or an aside, if you like, almost, um, you mentioned, of course, the thing is about keeping the plot moving, and it's about the excitement that gets generated. I mean, the whole point is your book is an entertainment. And in that process, you, but you also have to have other things. For instance, um, what I'm trying to get at here is the book has this period of seven years between the murders and something happening to Chambers. Then it goes quiet, and then you introduce a new character, and the story reignites. And of course, one of the things that's happened is DNA has changed in the course of the seven years, and it helps to, you know, bring this issue back as a police investigation. I'm just wondering, you know, when it comes to introducing things like that, like the DNA and that, you obviously want to keep that to a minimum because you don't want it to interfere with the story. But do you actually have to do a lot of research on issues like that? I think I try. You know, I've, I've seen enough crime shows and movies to kind of. Yeah, you can apply common sense to quite a lot of it and, and right. the steps the police would take. Um, what I like to do is have a lot of um, people in the background who you know are doing all of the, the, the you know, the more uh, boring jobs, I suppose, right. um, yeah. for, a, for, for a crime writer. So you've got, the pe- you've got the people in the background of the story sort of running around, hopefully doing all of this proper police work while I mm-hmm. take my lead characters and perhaps go and do something a bit more interesting. So that, that tends to be the way that I approach it. Um, 
you know, th- there's certain things. Um, I think when we talked before, we were saying, you know, get going to the morgue and the forensics, you know, mm. you can't get around that at some point your lead characters are going to have to get involved yeah, with yeah. that. And, you know, obviously put a bit more effort into researching what they'd be looking at there. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's my trick for it most of the time. I have uh, busy bodies in the background doing the proper police work while uh, I take my characters <laughs> off on an adventure somewhere. It's a good way of doing it. Um, how about your own experience? Because um, I wonder, do you need to have other experiences to be a writer in a sense? And um, I mean, you were a paramedic, of course, as well. I mean, did, did that play into your writing? Because sometimes uh, it can get a bit gruesome, can't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I always get surprised when people think my books are gruesome because I, I don't <laughs> see them that way. I, I know when you read when you read the back of Ragdoll, it sounds absolutely horrific, but mm. um, it was more it, it was more of a plot device than anything. Mm. That the actual Ragdoll, I, I really wanted to have six murders already done. Mm. and six still to come so instead of like the book being the size of the bible and like um yeah actually showing all those six murders right from page one uh i just came up with the ragdoll as a way to have six done and six bodies turn up on their lap um but it puts a hell of a picture in people's head you know yeah yeah absolutely but it actually started out as more of just a a useful plot device and i couldn't be bothered to write a book that long so uh (laughs) yeah it, it worked out for the best though certainly did yeah sorry well was well, the question i've totally gone uh, gone off on a tangent haven't i like, well i was just wondering about the experience you had as a, as a paramedic oh, as you know paramedic, yeah did it feed yeah, into but, the work if you like uh yeah so the, i I, th- I think it definitely did i mean it's such a it's such a surreal job and i kind of miss that yeah. a little bit like yeah, you, you're just sort of traveling around, um, God knows what time of night, not knowing what you're going to next. And it could literally be anything. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I try and capture a little bit of that and like the endless sort of exhaustion and walking around like a zombie half the time because you, you haven't slept. And um, yeah, I do try and capture that. And of course, like the, the banter, um, the dark sense of humor, which mm. I think comes out not only in the characters, but my whole style of writing has sort of got this sarcastic twang yeah. to it. That I think comes from that, um, comes from the job really. Um, so I, I think it, I think it plays in more than I realized, but mm. um, yeah, apart from that, and maybe a, a basic, well, you know, an understanding of sort of um, some, some of the more gory aspects. Mm. Uh, I don't sort of actively try and put the paramedic stuff in. I kind of want the books to feel, have like a movie sheen to them. That's why mm. I don't find them that gruesome. I, I, it's like zombie gore to me. It's got like a movie yeah. movie sheen to it. It's not realistic. So I try not to get too too bogged down in the anatomy of uh, uh, of the human body, <laughs> but it's gruesome. But it's, I take your it's, point, it's though. Just guts, blood and guts. <laughs> no, I do take your point, though, because I don't read Thomas Harris and think, oh, this is horrifying. I mean, it's yeah. just wickedly entertaining. Yeah. That's the point. It's not meant to be taken seriously in, in one sense, you know, is it? So I get that. You know, get that line, your style uh, is what makes that difference, yeah. Yeah, and trying to just remembering that, you know, it's entertainment overall. Yeah. More than anything else, more than proving how clever you are or how well you know the human mm. body. You know, I, I think my job's just to entertain people and uh, it's always getting a balance between 
all those all, all those different factors in the book and mm. trying to get it right. Yeah, and more than ever, that's what people want at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when we meet Ben Chambers, he's a DS, and of course, we've said that this book goes over a period of time, so things change. Things change for all the characters, of course. Um, but just tell us a little bit about Ben and what it was like writing a black officer as well, because I think that that's crucial here. I mean, there are sort of elements of racism, small elements, you know, that creep into yeah. the plot. Realism that you provide to the background. Yeah, again, I didn't, um, I mean, th this was the first of my books that actually went through a sensitivity read. Um, right, yes. Because of, because of everything that's happened in the, in the last year. Mm. Um, so it, it went through a sensitivity read, which was really good, and I'm glad it did. Um, I mean, the thing is, I, I wasn't trying to jump on any, trains or anything like it was uh ben chambers has always been black since mm -hmm. um page well chapter one of ragdoll yeah. um uh, again there's a spoiler alert in there so i won't go too far into it yeah but okay. he, he, he he was always black since page one there and um his wife was always from the caribbean mm -hmm. uh again mentioned in chapter one of ragdoll and I do, you know, I, I do like to link all my books together in, mm -hmm. in one way or another. And that's my link between Mimic and the Ragdoll books. Um, I've sort of been keeping him as an ace up my sleeve for three books now. So it's nice to finally write about him. And I always knew he's going to be an interesting character because he was Baxter's mentor mm -hmm. and sort of the person that she respected the most. Um, so I always knew he was going to be an interesting character to play with. Um and yeah, because it's set back in 1989, there are elements of uh, sort of racism towards him uh, mm -hmm. and prejudice and people not listening to his theories. But I sort of use that as a writer, that was fun for me to use, uh, not get too bogged down in. But mm -hmm. if I've got a detective who knows what's going on and no one else believes him or backs him up, it puts yes. him in some very sticky situations, which is exactly what I want as a writer trying to entertain people. Yes. Yeah, because the other thing about it is that um, he's also part of you've got a kind of trio going here. Well, not, not a kind of trio. It is a trio. There's him. There's Adam Winters and there's Jordan, as you mentioned earlier. And uh, uh, were you conscious of building an ensemble, if you like? And how easy did that kind of character interplay come? Because it, it's an important aspect of the book as well, you know, that you get to know these characters, like these characters and the way they bounce off each. Yeah, I, I don't think I can help myself there. I think I get bored just sort of focusing on one character. I mean, <laughs> anyone who's read the Ragdoll books will know, you know, that, that, that that's certainly an ensemble mm. as, as well. And I like being able to uh, pick up with one person and go and, you know, like leave someone else behind. Right. Uh, go and follow whoever's doing the most interesting thing at that time. Again, I suppose it ties into that realism. Um, yes. If there's a job that, you know, the character I'm following has to go and do, mm. I can tell the reader, oh, they're off doing that, uh, get that tick in the box while I go and do go off on a tangent with someone else. Uh, so I think I like having those options. But my favourite bits of, uh, any, of writing any book is having the characters play off each other. Uh, so I think I'd struggle to write anything that wasn't an ensemble piece of some sort. Mm. No, it, it works brilliantly. I think it's a fantastic aspect of the book. Of course, the other thing is it introduces a bit of humour too, because you get the banter going, as you said, you know, and that's in the writing anyway. But it works really well with the characters. On those issues, um, 
are you going to get any chance to promote the book? Are you going to get a chance to get out there and uh, do any publicity for it? Um, I, I, I don't know, really. I mean, everything's still a bit funny, yeah. isn't it? We're, we're in this weird limbo now of things sort of, sort of opening, but not. And yeah, I, I, I don't really know. It's kind of like I'm like, a, like we were speaking about. I might be going to France in a couple of weeks or I might not. I'm not sure. Right. Um, I've, been spent an awful lot of time on on, on zoom uh speaking mm. to people um and doing doing things online for the last year really uh i'd, I'd love to i'd love any chance to go and uh, talk about the book and, and and meet some of the readers but uh it's kind of out of my hands unfortunately it's more down to my publishers and what they think safe and uh yes of yeah course. appropriate for me to be doing at the moment yeah no and you have to trust people on that don't you um, yeah. Okay, then on a on a really exciting point though, tell us about Ragdoll and the TV series. Yeah, so uh, it's happening, which is the big news. Um, they've actually uh, they've finished filming it now. Right, um, they're all done, and it's still scheduled for um, later this year um, when it's going to be on. Brilliant. Um, so it's the team uh, behind Killing Eve who mm. who have always had the rights. They they bought the rights before you know. Like like I mentioned before, I even had my book deal. Yeah, uh, they always loved the book and believed in it, and wanted to do something. Um, you know, make 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 quite a different TV show out of it. They loved mm-hmm. the humour, um, and they they really nailed that with Killing Eve as well. So I think it's in very good hands. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know an awful lot about it to be honest. Uh, I mean. It feels it feels a lifetime ago now that I wrote Ragdoll, so I think I am able to kind of take a step back and let them tell their own version of the story. Yes. I think it will be quite different uh, from what I've heard. They're making some quite big changes that have knock-on effects to them being able to make the other books. Um, right. But it's I don't know. If you'd have asked me years ago, I'd have probably been more precious about it and, and say, "Oh my God, they're ruining it! What are they doing <laughs> to it?" But um, you know. It feels it feels so long ago now that I'm happy to let them tell their own sort of take on on the books and where the and the characters and where the story should go. Uh, so yeah, I'm as interested to watch it as everybody else. <laughs> right, that sounds like a good idea, mind. I I didn't realise he had sold the rights before the book was actually published. Um, so for you, it has been a long time in the process, and of course. You never know with these things because I I talk to so many authors and they say, oh, you know, the book's been optioned. And honestly, it doesn't mean an awful lot because until you start getting writers behind it and producers and you get money, then there isn't really a project in truth, is there? So it's it's great. Look out for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited too about it. I think, um, yeah, I think that is the case. You do hear an awful lot of them being optioned. And I think, Mm. um, you know, on, on their business side of it, I think like the actual option fees to like reserve something so that no one else can make it yeah yeah isn't a huge amount of money to mm. these companies so they are able to sort of buy up on a whim a little bit and just sort of reserve things in case they want to make it um so yeah i'm so pleased when 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 things started rolling on on ragdoll it is actually mm. happening where's that coming out in the uk then i don't know for certain i mean so it's a it's a joint um venture between amc in america right make, yeah. uh, Mad Men, walking dead and all sorts of great stuff yeah yeah and um uk tv over here who are alibi and making their own original alibi, show right. over here as well um 
So I haven't heard any definite release dates, but they're, they're still saying end of the year. But towards the end of the year. Yeah, fine. Um, what comes next then? I always feel a bit weird asking this question, actually. It's, you know, I, I, we're talking about your book. It's brand new. Mimic is just out yeah. in the shops. And then I say to you, well, what's next? But in a kind of way, I think people are always curious about, because for you, the author, you have moved on, of course. You know, you wrote this book a while ago, so you're into another yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a strange it's a strange thing being sort of being a writer because you're always sort of living in the past and talking about something you did a year ago. By the time you finally get to it coming out, yeah. So uh, yeah, I've 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 got an entire new book written uh, that I wrote over lockdown right. last year. Um, I mean, no one's read it yet, apart from my girlfriend. Uh, even my agent's not read it yet, but. Okay. Um, I, I really love it. I'm very excited about that one, but I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. Um, but yeah, you, you, you're sort of always living in the past. And then sometimes I'll get um, some of the other foreign territories. will be like, oh, we're, we're yes, releasing right. Endgame uh, next month. You know, will you talk about it in an interview? It, it, you know, I've got to struggle to remember what's going on exactly. <laughs> so you've got three on. books in your head at any one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure I had that at some point. I was doing three different interviews, about three different books in, in like three days. And it, <laughs> yeah, I got very confused. I was, uh, I think I was talking complete rubbish for all of them. Um, Characters yeah, interchanging uh, and God knows what. Yeah, yeah, I think I got it totally wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that I've, I've got another book written that I really love. And uh, I'm also working on um, working on my first kids book. Uh, for oh, right, my right. little girl, um, but it's sort of a crime novel based in in the ragdoll world, um, but right. for kids. Um, so yeah. she she's nine at the moment, but but really she, um, I, I can't wait her to be involved. She hears me and me me and her mum talking all the time about the books and these characters, and she can't, yes, obviously course, can't really. get involved in that. So I kind of wanted to include her. So I've been working on that. So that's that's very silly. I don't know if it's just for her or, or or if it'll ever, you know, see the light of day. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I haven't finished it yet. No, but I bet it, it throws up some interesting stuff. So I was talking to an author the other day about um, she was writing young adult and she'd written her first thriller for adults. And I was, I was asking, you know, what's the difference? Because I really wasn't sure about what it was. Um, first thing she said, mine was a lot of swearing in the adult book and you can't do that in kids books, but, uh, (laughs) no, it it is interesting though. I mean, how different do you find it trying to do something like that? I mean, the thing is I, I, I talk rubbish with her all day, every day. So it's quite quite easy. I I think again, it's a bit like that mashup back when I had Harry Potter on one side. Right. I've sort of got, I've sort of got all. I've got my tone of writing and everything from the books on one side and I've got the complete rubbish that we talk together and <laughs> I'm trying to mash it together into something that she'll enjoy. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone else will enjoy it. We'll have to see when, uh, when it's finally done. Well, I hope it works out anyway. Last yeah. question then. Um, I always like to ask this, any recommendations and if that's a film or something, you know, or TV series, fine, but um, anything you'd recommend that you enjoyed recently? I mean, we're, we're we're deep into making a murderer at the moment. I was a little bit slow right. on the uptake on that one, but it is yeah. I, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's the most incredible true story about mm. um, you know the, the, this man getting falsely imprisoned for murder 
yeah. twice. It looks like at this point. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it, it, it's really really interesting. So uh, yeah, we're we're deep in that at the moment. Yeah, that's one of those things where um, this sort of thing is if if it's um, crazy and unbelievable, that's the bit that's true. It's one of those kind yeah. of stories, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that you, you probably couldn't pull off if it was uh, if it wasn't true. You'd just think, oh, that's ridiculous. But, yes, uh, yeah. as it is, yeah. Daniel, thank you very much. That's been brilliant. Thank you very much for giving us your time. Yeah, thank you. I thank you, Daniel, for that. That was great. I know a lot of you will be looking forward to the new series of Ragdoll. But in the meantime, why not check out Mimic, his latest novel, and it's out now. I'll be back with another interview very shortly. But for now, bye. Bye.